I want to um, uh, tell you a story that begins, begins with me crashing my push bike about 10 years ago. And some of you know this, I ride my bike a lot. About 10 years ago, I had a bad crash on my bike and I totally wrote my bike off. I pretty much wrote myself off. And what it meant is that after I uh, physically recovered, I had um, some money from insurance to go and buy a new bike. And I'd never had a new bike before. I'd always had, you know, second-hand bikes and things like that. But, of course, you can't, you know, insurance sort of give you money and they, uh, to buy a new bike. And so I had this experience of going into all these bike shops I could buy when I say whatever I want. You know, obviously, there was an amount of money, but um, uh, to go and buy a new bike. And I remember this one bike shop that I went to, and I can't remember where I'd been before, um, but I was just dressed like I had just like an old tracksuit pants and a beat up old T-shirt and whatever. And I went into this bike shop and like they didn't serve me. You ever experienced that? Like, because I'm standing in front of all these shiny new bikes. And it was like they looked at me and they were like, well, clearly that guy is not going to be buying any of those bikes. And I actually had to go to someone and say, hi, um, I've crashed my bike. I've got money for a new bike. You know, can you tell me about the new bikes? It was amazing that you've got here. They wouldn't serve me. And some of you, do you know what that's like? Like the flip side's true too. Um, if I go to, um, if I go to a workwear place, there's a workwear place in Lonsdale, and if I go in there um, in my work boots and my glue-covered pants, you know, straight from the workshop, I get served like that, right? But if I go in there on a weekend, kind of dressed more like this, they're like, oh yeah, that guy can just kind of look around. You know, we make those judgments on people. I, I can see you're nodding. You'll know what that's like. It reminds me of that scene from Pretty Woman. You know that old yes, that old yes. film. And uh, if you don't know it, so um, Julia Roberts, very young Julia Roberts, uh, plays a prostitute. And um, long story, but she hooks up with this really wealthy guy, played by Richard Gere. And Richard Gere uh, wants to take her to a fancy dinner, fancy business dinner, but she doesn't have any nice clothes. And so he gives her a huge amount of money to go shopping and he tells her to go to, um, uh, you know, like the, the, the street, all the really fancy clothes shops on it, to go shopping and to get something so that he can accompany her uh, to this flash dinner. And she goes into all these um, really smart brand name clothes shops and they won't serve her because she looks like you imagine a prostitute should look like. Um, and there's this famous line uh, in the movie where one of the snobby shop attendants looks at Julie Roberts and says, we don't have anything for you. You're obviously in the wrong place. Um, and if you know the end of that film, she ends up going and buying fancy clothes somewhere else and comes back and waves her shopping bags in front of the <laughs> snobby attendant and says, you made a big mistake because look at all the money I, I had to spend. But... Um, we're in the middle of a series that we're calling November and we're saying, well, of course you're in the series, uh, middle of a series calling November because no is what the church is all about, isn't it? Uh, no is, that's all that churches talk about is the things that you can't do. Churches are all about you can't do this, you can't do that. God's all about saying no to this and no to that. And we said in setting up this series that that, that is a real shame. I think it's really sad because the picture that the writers of the Bible paint of God, particularly the picture that Jesus paints of God, is very different from a God of no, no, no. Jesus paints a picture of a God who is about love and grace and freedom and goodness. And so in this series, we're flipping the idea of no and we're talking about some of the 
the other things that Jesus says no to. And we've talked about Jesus' message of no condemnation. Uh, last week we talked about Jesus' teaching on never give up. Don't, you know, kind of no, never, you know, don't ever give up. And this week we're going to talk about another no that Jesus and the writers of the New Testament talk about quite a lot. When Jesus says, do not judge. When Jesus says no to judgment. If you've got a Bible, we're going to go all over the Bible. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus teaches it this way. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why don't you look at the speck of dots? Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? It's a brilliant picture, isn't it? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus is pretty clear, right? Do not judge. We could end the message there, except that that's not the whole story, is it? Because some of you are already sort of thinking, if you're a bit kind of Bible nerdy like I am, some of you are already thinking about, uh, about verses when Jesus teaches things like in Luke chapter 12, when he says, you see a cloud rising in the west, and immediately you say it's going to rain, and it does. When you see that the south wind blows, uh, you know it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites. How do you know how to interpret the uh, appearance of the earth and the sky how is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? Or when Paul teaches, do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, uh, are you not competent, competent also to judge trivial cases? Don't you know that we'll judge angels? How much more the things of this life? So there's parts in the Bible that say that we should judge. And then there's other parts in the Bible that say that we shouldn't judge. So what do we do? You know, Jesus' teaches, teaching seems pretty clear, but then, in his, but then, you know, Jesus says something else that seems kind of clear the other way. Like, are there some times when we should judge and sometimes when we shouldn't? Are there some people that we should judge and, and some people that we shouldn't? Is there a list somewhere that I haven't found in the Bible, a list of, you know, this is how it goes? So what I want to try and do today is to unpack as practically as we can this idea and this teaching of Jesus around judgment. I mean, we say it's written on the sign right here that we want to be a community of people that are following Jesus. And so I was thinking, you know, what does it mean to follow Jesus when it comes to judgment? And I've been thinking about this and reading about this both in the Bible and reading a bunch of commentaries and things um, over the past few weeks. And it was only this week when I was uh, driving to work, driving to my workshop, uh, drove through a traffic light. And all of a sudden, I just saw the traffic light and it just dawned on me. You know, when you see a traffic light, like green means go, red means stop, orange means put your foot down. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, green means go. Red means stop and, and orange, uh, orange sort of means caution. And it occurred to me that, that, that the judgment, the way the Bible talks about judgment is a little bit the same. There are some circumstances when we're commanded to judge. There are some circumstances where we're commanded not to. 
And then there are some things in the middle where it says, well, just, just be careful, be cautious in this space. So we're going to look at judgment this morning like traffic lights. We're going to talk about green lights, where God says, yes, go judge. We're going to talk about red lights, do not judge. And we're going to talk about amber or orange lights where it says caution. So I'm going to try and be absolutely practical as I can this morning. Green lights. When do we judge? When, when the Bible says that, like, this is a good thing, when, what are the circumstances in which we should exercise judgment? And there are a couple that I want to, want to share with you this morning. The first is that we should judge when we should be discerning and particularly discerning about what's right and wrong. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. We need to, what the writer is saying is we need to test, we need to judge the things that we hear. Just because someone like me stands up and says, don't just believe everything that I say. Certainly don't believe everything you, you, you see on the internet or that you hear on YouTube. He's saying, be discerning. Compare what you're hearing or what you're seeing in the world around you and, and from influential voices. Compare that uh, to the words of Jesus in Scripture. Compare that to what we read in the Bible. And be discerning. Be discerning about what's right and about what's wrong. Discerning is a kind of judgment. It's a kind of judgment that uh, the writers of the Bible say we should definitely be judging in that kind of way. We should be discerning about what's good and about what's not. Because, I mean, if we're not discerning, then we live in a, in a kind of an anything-goes world, right? Where we, where we just take on and we just accept anything that we see and hear. And no one wants to live in that kind of world. Right, whether you follow God or not, no one wants to live in a world where everything is okay. All of us want a world in which we discern and say some things are right and some things are not right. That's the first uh, green light when it comes to judgment is to exercise discernment. And the second green light that we see in Scripture around judgment is to recognise that sin is still sin. 1 Corinthians 5, Paul says, Although I'm absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and I've already pronounced judgment on the one who did this. Paul's writing a letter to the church, uh, to the church in Corinth, a church that has a problem because there's someone in the church that's having sex with their mother. You should read the Bible more, right? This stuff's actually in the Bible. Anyone says the Bible's dull. There's a, there's a person in the church that's having sex with their mother and Paul writes the letter and he says, that I'm going to judge that's not a good thing, right? In fact, Paul says, I'm not even there, right? I'm not even physically in the church. I'm somewhere, I'm there in spirit. I'm not even physically there, but yet I'm still so sure that this is not right that I'm willing to sort of pronounce judgment and say, that's not a good thing. He's saying some sin is obvious. Some sin is so obvious that you don't even need to be there to know that it's sin. And you should recognise it and you should name it. But you're not, you're not doing that to shame someone. You're not doing that to prove that you're better than someone. In fact, the Bible's really clear that when, when we name sin in someone's life, when, when, we, when we judge in that kind of way, we're doing it because we want to help someone. We're doing it because we want to restore someone and we want to heal someone. We want to bring someone back 
from that place that they're in. James, the brother of Jesus, was super clear when he says it like this in James chapter 5. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death. You think that's, that's our purpose in judging someone who's in a place of sin is to restore them and bring them back. Not to push them away and, and sort of be, uh, be mean or be nasty to them. So there are some times when we should judge. We need to be discerning about what's right and wrong. And we need to be clear about what's sin, what's clear sin. And we need to name that so that we can restore people and bring them back into a right relationship with God. That's the green lights. I want to talk about the red lights. What are the red lights? What are those, what are those situations in life where, uh, where, as Jesus says, do not judge? And the first thing the Bible is really clear about is that we should never judge from a place of self-righteousness. We should never judge from a place that I'm better than you. We should never judge from a place that says that I'm right. Never judge from a place that wants to put another person down or put another person beneath us. Paul reminds us um, in Romans 3, he says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He's saying everyone, all, all means all. He's saying all of us have messed up. All of us have sinned, all of us have failed, all of us have, have fallen short. And so any time that we come to someone with a sense of self-righteousness, a sense that I'm better than you, we are, in the words of Jesus, we are being a hypocrite. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 7 when he says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention into the plank no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. Paul writes it this way, Romans 2. He says, you have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. Any time you stand up in front of someone and you say, you know what, you're doing the wrong thing and I'm doing the right thing, you're setting yourself up to be a hypocrite because you mess up too. And the truth is you're probably going to do the same thing. And we've all been in that place, haven't we? You know, where you realize, actually, I'm doing the same thing that I told someone else they shouldn't be doing. And let's be honest, let's be really honest. A lot of the time that the church talks about judgment, we're doing exactly this. It's people standing up saying, look at me. I don't do that. Look how good I am. Look how good I am compared to that person. And Jesus is absolutely clear when he says, don't do that. Do not judge when judgment looks like that. The second red light that, that Jesus is really clear about when it comes to judgment is he says, don't judge people based on their appearances. 
John 7, 24. Stop judging by mere appearances. Plain as day. Words of Jesus. James tells the church in James chapter 2, Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting, in other words, into church. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor at my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? James said that because he lived with Jesus. And he knew that Jesus loved and accepted people, excuse me, no matter what. No matter what they look like, no matter who they hung out with, no matter what sort of job they had, no matter where they lived, Jesus accepted everyone. And as we always say in this church, followers of Jesus follow Jesus. There's no place in the church to ever judge someone on the basis of what they look like, on the basis of who they hang out with, where they live, the job they have, the money they have, the car they drive. There's never any basis for any kind of judgment based on any of that. Jesus and all the writers of the New Testament are absolutely clear. That is an absolute do not judge. There's one more red light that I want to talk about. One more do not judge. And that's when we get taught, do not judge non-Christians by Christian standards. A lot of people don't realise this, but all those verses, those verses that we read about judging people in sin, they're all written to people in the church about people in the church. Right? None of them are written to people about people in the community, people who are outside the community of faith. I mean, why would you expect someone to follow God who doesn't follow God? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Paul teaches the Corinthian church really specifically around this issue. This is 1 Corinthians 5. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the people of the world who are immoral or the the greedy or the swindlers or the adulterers. In that case, you'd have to leave the world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister. In other words, for anyone who's in the church, but is sexually immoral or a greedy or an adulterer or slanderer or drunkard or swindler. And you could probably add some other things there. Do not even eat with such people. Then he says this, What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Paul's saying, remember when I wrote to you before to to, to kind of beware of um, uh, people who are in, in sexual immorality? I didn't want to confuse you. I wasn't talking about people outside the church who were like that. I was talking about people who are inside the church and living like that. First of all, what business is it of mine to judge those who are outside the church? 
Effectively, Paul's saying, of course we expect people outside the church to live like that. God will judge those outside. That's up to God. That's not up to me. He's saying, why would you expect someone who hasn't signed up to Christian values to live by Christian values? Of course you wouldn't. But again, being honest, sadly, sadly, so many of us, we do this all the time. The church does this all the time, judging people in the world, judging our world by God's standards. That's a green light for people who are in the church. It's a red light when you're talking to people who are outside the church. Green light, red light. Before we close, I want to talk about orange lights, amber lights. Because we've all had that moment, haven't we? You know when you're driving, you're approaching an intersection, the light's green, and the light goes orange. And you have that panic. Do I brake? Do I accelerate? Do I brake? Do I accelerate? What do I do? What do I do? Both, yeah. <laughs> and you've all seen those people who think, accelerate, accelerate, and then they go, oh, no, and all of a sudden they lock up the brakes. because, you know. Um, let me finish with some cautions that we read in Scripture about judgment. And the first caution we read in Scripture is to be really careful about our pride in the place of judgment. To be really careful about our own pride because self-righteousness, this is just a truth about self-righteousness and pride, kind of same things in, in terms of what we're talking about now. Self-righteousness is really to see, easy to see in other people, isn't it? It's really hard to see in yourself. It's really easy to look at someone else and say, wow, look at their pride. It's almost impossible to see that in yourself. Jesus taught people about the danger of pride and in judgment this way. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. To some who trusted in their own righteousness and viewed others with contempt, he also taught this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, swindlers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. It's a great prayer, isn't it? <laughs> I fast twice a week. I pay tithes on all that I acquire. But the tax collector stood at a distance, unwilling even to lift up his eyes to heaven. Instead, he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, this man, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified, went home right with God. For everyone who exalts themselves will be humbled and everyone who humbles themselves will be exalted. Be careful. Be really careful of your pride and your own sense of self-righteousness any time that you're tempted to judge. James reminds us of the same thing when he says in James 4 verse 6, God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. 
saying take a really good look at yourself before you judge someone else. Remember in Matthew 7, the, the first reading that I read, when Jesus says, in the same way that you judged, you will be judged. Be careful how you judge. In the same way that you judge, you will be judged. That's the first big caution. That's the first amber light. And the second's related to it. The second's related to it when the Bible, uh, the writers of the Bible tell us to be slow to judge anything. Just be slow. Sometimes sin is really glaringly obvious. But be careful. Because sometimes, sometimes what looks like absolute sin to you, there's, there's more of a story there. You know what I'm saying? James says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. He's talking specifically there about anger. But I think the same thing holds true for judgment. We'll be quick to listen and slow to speak. Don't rush in to judgment on others. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 5, Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He'll bring to light what is hidden in darkness and he'll expose the motives of the heart. Don't rush in to judgment. Even if it's right judgment, don't rush in to judgment. And when in any doubt, when in any doubt, choose grace. Paul writes to Titus, a young guy, young leader, Christian leader, pastor that he's mentoring. He writes these beautiful words, Titus 3 verse 1. Paul says to Titus, remind people, so people in the church, in Titus's church, remind people to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. Is there a place for judgment in the church? Is there a place for Christian judgment? Yes, there is. But I want to say as clearly as I can this morning, there's a much bigger place for love and mercy and grace. Jesus was, abs- I mean, this is not my words, Jesus was absolutely clear about what our number one priority is as followers of Jesus, as, as Christians. And it's not judgment. Matthew 22. Man comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? What's the most important law? What, what, what's the number one thing that I should be doing? Some of you are nodding, you know where this is going. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. The law and the prophets is is a way that Jesus used to describe the scriptures of his day. It would be like him saying today, everything you read in the Bible hangs on these two commands. They're the, the kind of the top of the tree, you know, that everything else hangs on. John remembers Jesus teaching it this way. Uh, right toward the end of Jesus' life, he looks at his followers and he says, a new command I give you. You've had all these other rules, but I'm giving you a new command. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you, may, so you must love one another. 
By this, by this everyone will know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. Christians are supposed to be known for how we love other people. Did you know that? That should be the mark. That should be how people know you're a Christian. When people hear you're a Christian, they ought to say, I knew that. I had a, I had a hunch that you're a Christian because of the way you love everyone around you. Not the way that you judge everyone around you. You know what I'm saying? The number one message that the, that, that the world, that, that people outside the church should be hearing from the church, the number one message that, that non-Christian people in your workplace and in your school should be hearing from the Christians in your workplace and in your school is a message of love and grace and forgiveness. That's the primary message of the church that's the primary message of Jesus to the world, not a message of judgment and condemnation. That's what Jesus meant when he said, do not judge. 